Hello and welcome to the F1 Stop Show. I'm your host, Sam Oni, and with me is Wes Spearman. Wes, how are you tonight? I'm pretty good. I'm very, very warm because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you are as well because, yeah, we're, we're in the middle of a heat wave at the moment and it's absolutely boiling. Um, and it's very, it's humid, it's muggy as well. So it's it sticky is. and sweaty and, yeah, it's... I mean, it's, the warmth is nice, but at the same time, it's it's nice to to cool off a bit, to have a nice cold shower at the end of the day. But I'm all good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Very good. Um, yeah, as you said, it's hot. It's sweaty. It's humid. It's 27 degrees in in Orpington, so it's very hot. Um, so the Austrian Grand Prix round, I don't know. Eleven, I think. I think. Round of eleven. 11. Halfway point of the season. Yeah, halfway point. Another eleven races to go. And uh, well, let's jump into it. Charles Leclerc, winner in Spiel- in Spielberg. Great performance from him. What'd you make of it? Yeah, brilliant performance from Leclerc and Ferrara. They pretty much, besides the sprint race where I think Verstappen finished third, but had Ferrari P2 and P3 in, in the sprint race and Ferrari were on for a, a 1-2, um, obviously the main race and until Sainz's engine gave way late in the race, uh, which, we'll get, which we'll get onto in a bit. Um, Pierre Leclerc, he had so much pace and he overtook with Stephen, what, three times for the race lead, obviously after yeah. pit stops and, and what have you. Um, so yeah, I think to, to overtake someone three times the race lead is because I mean usually strategy comes into play somewhere and whether it's undercut, overcut, whatever. Um, yeah, I think they were they they were going to go for a one stop. I think until uh, science's engine failure brought, brought out the VSC and they they made it a two stop. Um, yeah, it was a pretty. I know Verstappen was dominant last year, but you could almost say Leclerc was was pretty dominant this year, with with the exception of uh, qualifying. Um, yeah, exceptional performance from him. I think he claws back another is it five or six points on Verstappen in in the drivers' championship. Um, it's a bit of a shame Science didn't uh, get the P two for Ferrari because that would spice up the the constructors' battle a, a bit more as well. Um, but overall, uh, yeah, a, a great win for Leclerc is his fifth in uh, in Formula One. His first win since uh, the tenth of April of <laughs> the Australian Grand Prix, round three. It's been eight wow. rounds since Charles Leclerc won a Grand Prix, and yeah, he's finished in, in points positions here and there. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it was a long time between race wins for Charles Leclerc, and I think he needed that in in Austria to to claw back some points at a, at a track that Red Bull has been so as I say, dominant in, in the last last couple of years. And uh, as you said, Carlos Sainz suffered an engine failure. But before we get into that, let's, let's dive into the race as it happened. And uh, it didn't take long for it didn't take long for something to happen on lap one with um um with a shot. Sorry, it didn't take long for something to happen with George Russell in the Mercedes colliding with uh, Sergio Perez. In a Red Bull, and uh, with the Mexican going off track, and he eventually had to retire from the race. Yeah, and it's once again, it's that turn four, isn't it? That sort of downhill right hander um, where we've seen Hamilton push off Albon a, a 
couple of years ago. We've seen, I think it was Norris and was Perez last year as well. I can't remember. Um, yeah, we saw Vettel go off there later in the race too. Um, I mean, it is the main overtaking spot. And I think people try and go around the outside is because because it is downhill, basically. So you have more momentum going around the outside. You think you can carry more speed. Um, yeah. Whereas if it was, so like, whether, if, if it was quite level or, or even uphill, then you, you wouldn't really try that as much. But because it's downhill, people think, yeah, we've got more speed and it's not the tightest of corners. Um, it's fairly smooth. It's not, it's not like turn three, for example, where it is, a pretty much a hairpin right-hander uphill as well. Um, yeah, I think that incident in itself, it I think it was a difficult one to call, to be honest. Um, I mean, look, looking at both the onboards, it was, um, you could say that Perez turned in a bit on Russell. Um, arguably he did. Um, I think Russell gave enough space, so it's, it's a tricky one. And yeah, I, for me, I think I'd be putting that down as, down as a, a racing incident because... I don't really think you can point the finger at, at either of them. Um, I think it is fairly 50-50, but um, as you say, Perez eventually retired from the race. It was, it was quite a few laps into uh, the Grand Prix, lap 26, so around about a third, a third of the way into the race. Um, and yeah, Russell got penalised for it as well. Got a five-second time penalty, which obviously he, he took when he when he made his pit stop, um, which I don't think hampered him too much. He still finished... P4 in the end, was it? Um, I didn't finish P4. Yeah, so yeah, again, another another top five finish for, for George Russell. Um, yeah, for I mean, for Russell's race, I don't think it had the greatest impact on his race, so at the end of the day, he wouldn't have minded that too much, but in, in the heat of the moment, I think yeah, it's probably more racing incident, I think, for me than, than pointing the finger at, at Perez or Russell. Now, there were there were three key areas that I really enjoyed about the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, one of them being uh, Charles Leclerc getting the win. As for the other two, um, what we really like as F1 fans is really good racing. And uh, turn three, lap 24, five cars. Haas, McLaren, Alpine, and uh, Alfa Romeo, is that four cars? No, four, four, four cars. No, five cars. I'm getting, I'm getting it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, there, all there, wrong. There were four, four teams, but five cars because you had, you had both cars in there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Four teams, five cars. And uh, well, if your name is Lando Norris, uh, Guan Yu Zhou, K Mag, Mick Schumacher and Fernando Alonso, well, hats off to you guys because it was brilliant racing from those five drivers. I was I was actually so... My, my jaw was literally dropping, like, really? Three cars going into turn four now, becoming five? Is that really possible? What did you make of it? I was, I was really excited by that. Yeah, as, as you say, it was, I suppose, arguably the most exciting moment of the race. Um potential exceptions being obviously Leclerc's overtakes on Verstappen I think just going back to that for just a second I think Leclerc's first overtake where I think went up the inside at turn four that I think that was a, a brilliant move because it was quite a late lunch um yeah as, as you say that that sort of five car I think it was like a battle for eighth place or something so it's not even mm. like a major points paying position but 
yeah, to see, as you say, five cars, four different teams, it's almost like a flashback to, to last week where we had five cars from five different teams battling for, I think it was P2 uh, over at Silverstone. Um, yeah. yeah, to see midfield teams um, yeah, from various different histories, various different sort of... Um, no, I can't, I can't, I'm looking for a word. I can't, I can't think what it is, but... Um, they're just completely different, I suppose. Uh, all fighting for yeah, it's P eight, but as you say, going free wide or free cars, <laughs> yeah, it, it was free wide, as you say, into turn three, and you don't get that very often. Yeah, to see the likes of of, of an Alfa Romeo in in Guanajuato, to see both horses in there, um, Alonso, Norris, um, brilliant, brilliant racing, and yeah, more of that, please. And I think these new regulations are allowing. More of that. I think that's been proven time and time again already this season. We're up to the halfway point now, and I think we can safely say that that these regulations have improved F1. They've improved wheel-to-wheel racing because I can't remember many times in, in previous previous Austrian Grand Prix where, or even previous British Grand Prix from last week, where you've had so many cars from so many different teams all vying for one for one spot whether it's p2 or it's p8 whether it's p14 15 whatever to have loads of different cars and as you say it's, it's not just the drivers it's the teams as well there are four or five different teams battling for what would be four points at, at the end of the day for p8 is <laughs> i know it doesn't sound like much but it's what excites you as, as an f1 fan yeah. so you've got you got up and coming drivers in the likes of norris the joe you've got more experienced alonso and, and kmag all fighting for for one spot, and it was yeah, as, as you say, it, it was arguably the most exciting moment of of that race. And it's and it's those drivers that they're not they're not battling for the championship. They're not battling for the constructors. They're just out there bringing us good racing, and that's that was really enjoyable. Now the other thing that I really loved about the Austrian Grand Prix was the moment that Mick Schumacher passed Lewis Hamilton on turn four. I was just, no, it's bringing back, it's bringing back Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton vibes. It was brilliant. It was brilliant for, from Mick. And uh, he even finished P6. That's his highest ever finish in his entire Formula One career. P6. Yeah, and a, a, an outstanding result for Haas. I mean, given, obviously, the, the, the sort of, troubles that they've had over well, the past like two three years yeah for them to to get rewards i know we saw it in in the first couple grand prix with with magnuson but yeah schumacher's just upped his game a little bit these last couple of races he got his first points i think it was a p8 in in silverstone and now a, a p6 that's essentially best of the rest if you like for p6 um is a yeah is, is a brilliant brilliant result and i think everyone in in the f1 community is, is so chuffed for the make schumacher and it's just given us something to, or a bit more to look forward to now, because we now know he he can compete with the, with with his teammate and can really battle for for those points paying positions now. Um, yeah, as I say, to to be battling with the likes of of Hamilton. Yeah, I know Mercedes aren't having the best year this year, but when you've got a seven-time world champion and you're overtaking him in in a Haas, a car that's, I think at, at the moment they're seventh in the in the constructors' championship, and you're battling a, a car that's third in the constructors' championship, is 
yeah, quite something. And again, I suppose it, it goes back to to the regulation changes a bit and allowing the likes of well, just, just sort of resetting the the playing field a little bit. Um, yeah, for Haas to get P six, P eight, and if I think Hamilton had trouble with the Haas in in the sprint qualifying from some bits and pieces and memes I saw on on Twitter, um, I think the Haas were a bit of a problem child for Hamilton all weekend. Um, yeah, although Hamilton obviously got the better of them in the end, finishing P three, but it was it was a great moment and yeah, something to for for SF one fans to to look forward to uh, more more often this season. Indeed, and um, so if you had to pick one moment, one enjoyable moment from the Austrian Grand Prix, what would it be? Because there are there are plenty. There's overtaking. There's on track battles. You know. Collisions, not that it's enjoyable, but <laughs> it's there. If you had to pick one moment, um, I mean, yeah, as you say, there were quite a few to to choose from this week compared to, in say last year's Austrian Grand Prix, Austrian and and Styrian Grand Prix, where nothing really happens last year, but this year is so much more entertaining. But I think it has to be that five car battle for the four yeah. different teams. Yeah. Just the amount of color in there was was. Great to yeah. engaging, but yeah, seeing those midfield drivers and midfield teams go wheel to wheel. I mean, as I said, yeah, it's, it's only P eight at the end of the day, but I mean, the midfield is is where I look out for quite a bit because yeah, you, you quite often know he's going to sort of finish top four, top five. But it's it's the midfield, it's the teams, it's it's the underdogs. We like an underdog here yeah. in the UK, and for someone like like a Guan Yu Zhou to to scrape through a a, a point or two is. Is as exciting as a, a, a battle for for first place between Verstappen and Leclerc, I think. But um, is yeah, it's, it's got to be that that five car battle was mo- moment of the race for me. Same here. Um, I could not agree more. I mean, when I saw it on the highlights, I was just wow. This is what we want. This is what I love. And just seeing those five cars, and you know, you know the amazing thing about that, about that little glimpse about those five cars. There was no contact. There was no contact between those five cars, and I was like, "Wow, how can this be?" Anyway, and, and again, they're what three out of the five are fairly young drivers, like aged what twenty five and below. Yeah, you got Kmeg yeah. and Alonso who are a bit older, and I wouldn't say necessarily know what they're doing a bit more, but have that that experience of going wheel to wheel with with other racing drivers. So. Yeah, for as you say, for there, no, for there to be no contact or at the very least minimal contact is, yeah, it, it, it bodes well for for those youngsters. So we've had Charlotte Charlotte Kerr picking up a win in Austria. We've had retirements. We've had Max Verstappen finishing second. How would you rate the race out of ten in Austria? I mean, it's. A, a million times better than what than what it was last year, because we we actually remember things about this year compared to last year. Um, I wouldn't say it was as good as Silverstone, but I'd still say it's it was it was a pretty good race. It was pretty exciting, as you say. Various different battles in there. You got a bit of strategy playing out. Um, I reckon it's, it's it's worth an eight out of ten. I think a pretty solid race. I mean, an enjoyable race. It was entertaining. Um, yeah, not not quite on the level of as as Silverstone. Okay, okay, right. You 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 might you might fight me on you might fight me on this one. You might fight me on this one. But <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Yes, we had 
fifth opening lap collision and stuff. We also had the five car battle, but I don't know. I I thought it was it was missing a bit of a kick to it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe another another battle somewhere. Maybe if um the top four had gotten into their little battle or something with Verstappen, Leclerc, and Signs, maybe we could have had something. So, but overall, it was a good race. So I'm going to rate the race seven point five out of ten. Yeah, you see where I'm coming from. Yeah, I can. It was, it was just missing that that little bit of spice, like as you say, like like Silverstone. And I mean, if for if for example, I mean, both of these last two races have had incidents quite late on into the race. So obviously at Silverstone, it was um, Ocon's engine failing, and this week in Austria, it was Science's engine failing and, and catching on fire. And one brought out a safety car, Ocon at Silverstone, whereas Science brought out a virtual safety car. Whereas if if I think if Science's incident brought out a full safety car, then that could have made things just take it up to that, that extra level, I think. Move it from like a, a, an 8 out of 10 to maybe a 9, a 10 out of 10. Because then that would really bunch the field up. They'd all be on the same tyres and then it would be down to who's got the fastest car, who's the most skilled driver. And I think, yeah, that... that just changing it from a VST to a full safety car would have would have changed things a bit, but they didn't need to in the end, which I suppose is is, is a good thing. Um, but yeah, as, as you say, it was just missing a little bit of, of spice at the end, I think. Indeed. Yeah, so that's that for Austria, and the Drivers' Championship is looking... It's looking all right. I mean, there's there's a 38-point gap between the top two in Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, with Verstappen, the Dutchman, on 208 points and Charles Leclerc's on 170. Whereas, uh, looking at the... From 10th to 6th, we've got Alonso on 29, Bottas 46, Ocon 52, Norris 64, Hamilton 109. So it's it's spread out i think the difference that i've seen with with this season so far and comparing it to last season last season's top 10 at round 11 i thought the points were a bit it's all quite bunched together if you get what i mean whereas this one is like it's almost nicely spread out i don't know maybe it's the regulations again yeah i think as as you say with last year always sort of had these sort of definable sort of groups of cars, if you like. So it's like you had your top three, you had your, well, top two, basically, of, of Red Bull and Mercedes last year, and Ferrari was sort of third. And then it was just a case of you had about four, five teams in the midfield, ranging from, like, McLaren, Alpine, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, well, maybe not Alpha Romeo last year, Baston Martin, maybe. Then you had sort of the bottom two or three, which you had your Haas, your Williams, your... Alfa Romeo whereas this year it is a as you say a little bit more spread out there's no really sort of definable sort of groupings of, uh, of of teams and of drivers I mean yeah you've obviously got your, your usual top three your Red Bull your Ferrari your Mercedes but McLaren and Alpine are, are level on 81 points joint fourth in the constructors you've got Alfa Romeo on, on 51 in sixth place you've got Haas now with 34 points <laughs> somehow from last year uh, you've got Alfa Tauri seven points behind on 27 whereas Alfa Tauri had a pretty good last couple of years and Aston Martin have 
just taking things down a notch, 18 points and in Williams who got three points, which I mean is is something for them, I suppose, after the horrible amount number of years now that, that they've had in, in Formula One. Um yeah, you you still got I mean, you're not gonna see the likes of an Aston Martin battling for, for top three and unless you go back to what twenty nineteen with the, the the pink Mercedes <laughs> racing point or twenty twenty whatever it was, um, yeah it's it's certainly, I mean you've got like, as you say just going through that that drive you've got Valtteri Bottas in in ninth you've got Kevin Magnussen in in eleventh beating the likes of Ricardo Gasly, Vettel Sonoda, um, Lance Stroll even, <laughs> it's, it's jumbled things up a, a little bit and I'm all for it personally and yeah it's made for, for brilliant racing and yeah halfway through the season now who, who knows who knows what the second half is gonna hold yeah we've got two more races until until the summer break and then and yeah i think summer break will just give teams a bit of a chance to to reevaluate a little bit who who their rivals are where they their, their aims for the rest of the season and yeah well, it's going to be an interesting second half of the season indeed now final question We've had eleven. We've had eleven rounds so far of Formula One. Points being picked up here and there. Which team has been your standout team? Which team has impressed you the most? We know drivers have impressed you the most, but which team has impressed you the most? Which partnership, however, yeah. I think I think quite a few have, have impressed me. Um, one, Ferrari. one Wes, one, <laughs> one, just one. I think, I, mean, I, I suppose Haas is a, probably the the most obvious one. I mean, given how yeah. terrible, <laughs> to, to be quite blunt about it, they've That's been over shot. the last two, three years not picking up. Did they pick up a point last year? I don't think so. Um, I don't think they picked up any points the year before either. Uh, they might have done, I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, for them to get 34 points in the first half of the season, and yeah, it, it doesn't sound like much, but. For them to get any points at all after the horror show that was last year, when they were so far off the pace of, of even like Williams, um, for them to to get points and be now seventh in the in the constructors is is a is a brilliant result for them. And yeah, I'm not going to name anymore. I, I mean, I, I could. <laughs> there are there are a couple of other teams that, that have impressed me, but you, you just Go asked on them, top one three. Your top three. Yeah, I think mean, top three would be not really in. I suppose Haas and Alfa Romeo are, are, the, are the top two. I mean, probably Haas, Alfa Romeo in sixth, and then Ferrari, um, given they've been lacking something over the last, as I say, two years. Um, so yeah, for them to be now properly in, in the title fight again is is, is welcoming. Um, yeah, Haas and, and Alfa Romeo, I think, have just been just been on 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 a slightly a diff, different level this year in, in terms of how much they've improved from from last year. Indeed. Well, well, those are great choices, and uh, I can't not agree with you on that because my the team that has really impressed me the most has got to be Alfa Romeo. I, I can you can give me other arguments, but Alfa Romeo have been pretty impressive. I mean, we've seen some results where I mean, can you imagine Valtteri Bottas leaving Mercedes after five years, going to a new team? You're thinking. How's he going to cope? But he's he's put in some decent results. But Guan Yuzhou, in his debut season, first Chinese driver to enter Formula One. And he's he's put on quite a show. Again, 
one or two top 10 finishes this season. So I, I've been really impressed by Alfa Romeo. Yeah, so um, as I say, I mean, yeah, Bottas has got 46 points, shows just got five, but Bottas has been in F1 for eight, eight, nine years now, whereas obviously Joe is, is his first year. And as you say, for him to be, for him to be even getting points for, as a rookie in an Alfa Romeo is, is, is a solid achievement. And yeah, for, for him, as we've already mentioned, to be in that, that battle um, at an Austria is, is, yeah, good. And people saying, oh, is, is, is he another pay driver wise? People like Oscar Piastri, Theo Porcher, not racing, but I think Joe is, he's, he's, he's doing a solid job so far this season. And yeah, as you say, Alfa Romeo on, on the way up from Marcy, which, which is, which is great for Formula One. And Ferrari as well. They're doing a decent job too. So we've only got 11 more races to go. And it's, it's going to be exciting. So we've come to the end of another episode of the F1 Stop Show. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've had some great racing. Charles Leclerc picking up another win to add to his championship battle with Max Verstappen. Um, I've been your host, Sam Oni, And uh, it's a goodbye from me. Bye-bye. And it's a goodbye from Wes. Bye-bye. And we hope you have a very good week ahead.